You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, welcome to the Vineyard. It's good to have you with us today. This is National Skip Sunday Sunday. We have a couple of those through the summer. Glad that you're here, faithful ones. So decision 2016. Yeah. Wow. I've decided to pray. When you look at decision 216, there's like nothing else that you can do but say, let's pray. Let's pray about this one. We're not going to pray out of fear. That's the way the enemy would have us to. Doesn't mean that when we're afraid, we can't pray. Always pray. And when you're afraid, go pray. But let's pray from a position of love and not fear. Let's not get so concerned of what might happen in our circumstances that it causes us to become fearful. Fear drains us of so much energy. (laughs) Because when you have that fear going on inside, emotionally, internally, you're losing all sorts of strength. And I'm tired of the enemy still in our strength. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Let's pray from a position of love, from a position of power, and let's believe that this is the day of resurrection power being released in the earth. And let's look for, let's look for that to happen. So as we're getting ready for a prayer decision, I thought, well, let's do a few messages on prayer. I, I, I read Dick Eastman's book. How many know of Dick Eastman? Anybody know? Bunch of charismatics here, huh? Read some of the evangelicals, man. They're good, good, good theologians. He's got a book entitled The Hour That Changes the World. And in that, I, I, I felt like it was a mandate for us as a local fellowship as well. It's a mandate to, to pray one hour a day. And everybody's just doing backflips, right? Yes, we get to pray an hour a day. Yeah, let's go for it. An hour a day? I remember the time... After I'd been a Christian for years and years and years, and I'd been a pastor for five years, that I got to the place where I I don't think I'd ever really prayed more than 15 minutes to a half hour max. Never had. And when you think about praying for an hour a day, you think, Rick, come on, be serious. We're not going to despise the day of small beginnings, so wherever you need to start, it's where you start. But one of my goals for us as a fellowship is that we will be praying an hour a day, an hour of a day, as a minimum. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We're going to find out who's Marines and who's not. We're, 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 we're just going to bring the bar up because I, I think everyone here can do it. And I'm going to give you a couple models that you can use to help you. One, one, one is a 12-step prayer model, 12 steps. So if you do five minutes on each step, you've done an hour. And I think you'll find that you can do five minutes on a step very, very easily. We'll look at that in a little bit. But <clears throat> I just want to encourage you with that that we're not going to pray from fear, but we're going to pray from love. And really, the goal that I'm setting for us as a local church is that we're going to pray an hour a day. 
individually. That's not counting what happens on morning watch. That's not counting what's happening at other prayer services, home groups, those kind of things. That's not counting even intercessors on Thursday. That's counting one hour of personal prayer with the Lord every day. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? No doubt about it. I can see your enthusiasm. <laughs> well, the passage that Linda has referred to a couple times already this morning is 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Right on. Hmm. So as we look at prayer... Prayer is one of the, the biggest mysteries that we'll ever find. It's, it's just kind of mysterious. It's, it's the dynamic that releases the very power of God. His omnipotence is, is kind of hidden and released through prayer. Don't understand that? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense? But I do realize that part of it is because when we pray, guess who we're focusing on? We're focusing on him. We're focusing in on God. E.M. Bounds. I'm afraid to ask if anybody's heard of E.M. Bounds. Okay, good. We got a couple. He wrote, Prayer is the contact of a living soul with God. In prayer, God stoops to kiss man, to bless man, and to aid in everything that God can devise or man can need. Hmm. E.M. probably has a zillion books on prayer. Uh, Unbounded Prayer is is one of his classics. Spurgeon put it this way, prayer is the slender nerve that moved the muscles of omnipotence. Wow. Does that grab you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. I, I hope you've heard of Spurgeon. Yeah. So what, what, what is prayer? Prayer is the simplest act a creature of God can perform. It's divine communion with our Heavenly Father. Hmm. It doesn't require an advanced education. You don't have to have a degree to pray. Hmm. Knowledge is not a prerequisite. The only thing you need is an act of the will. An act of the will is required to pray. And so today, I'm hoping that we'll get ourselves to a place to get an alignment to say, Lord, I want a fresh grace on my will to choose to pray an hour a day and go from there. Mm -hmm. But prayer is more. Prayer is the vision of the believer. It gives eyes to our faith. In prayer, we see beyond ourselves and focus spiritual eyes on God's infinite power. Prayer is also man's ultimate indication of trust in his heavenly father. We pray to one that we believe can do something about what we need. Mm-hmm. 
Only in prayer do we surrender our problems completely to God and ask for divine intervention. Lord, help. That's the prayer of the vineyard. John Wimber taught us many, many years ago. Help! The one word prayer. Lord, come. Come help. The problem is, prayer is the thing that is so difficult. Has anybody found that prayer is just natural for you? You just, you just kind of came into faith with Jesus and, and you just naturally were just a prayer person. Prayer is something that you got to get intentional about. It's something that you got to really, really pursue because the enemy will resist you at prayer at every turn. He understands the power of prayer. He understands what prayer can do. And therefore, he comes against us at every point when we try to pray. Anybody knelt? Anybody sat? Anybody laid in bed, head on pillow, and started to pray and just thought, Lord, I'm just going to enjoy this next hour with you. (laughs) An anointing to sleep comes over you. Delta waves from heaven. No. It's amazing that when, whenever we move to prayer, distractions come. Yes. Man, how many things bombard your mind, especially if you're one of those engineering kind of minds like Mike Mulvaney, whose mind just, you know, is going all the time. To, to, to stop and to pray, it's got to be one of the hardest things there, there ever was to do. I think it's harder to pray than just about any other service in the kingdom of God. Except for some of us to go out on treasure hunts. There might be a few that still are a little more afraid of that. than. So we got to get intentional. I love what Mike has shared with me over the years about his cathedral on wheels. You know, he's, he's found a way in the morning before that high powerful mind gets going to just get on his bicycle and pedal and pray and commune with the Lord. Uh, The Jessops, they like to walk around a parking lot and pray and prophesy and do all sorts of wild charismatic things uh, and, and just pray, pray, pray. Amazing. All of us have a, have a kind of a rhythm and we need to, we need to begin being intentional at, at touching and tapping into that rhythm and see what it is that will cause us to be able to have a sustained time with the Lord. Here's what happens. In a relationship, if I just come to Debbie when I need something or when I want something, I never get to know what's going on in her. She gets to know what I need. She gets to know what I want. It gets, but it's one way. Extending a, a, a time of duration, you get to find out what's going on in the other person. And, and that's the reason why the enemy doesn't want us to do that. He, he, he doesn't want us to take our needs and our concerns and our, the things that we need help with to the Lord. But if he can't help us on that because we're motivated by pain, so we, we, we will press through our pain and get to the Lord on that long as we just drop them off and get busy on with life. 
If we come, and, and I believe oftentimes it's, it's our pain that brings us into his presence, but once we get into his presence, if we'll sit down and spend time with him, we'll start to receive something that is so incredible that we never expected, never anticipated. The times that the Lord has spoken clearest to you, sometimes it comes in the midst of the crisis. But most of the time for me, that's not when I hear God. I hear God clearest when I don't have any pressing issue. And I just come into his presence and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm in a position to listen. And I hear what he's saying. And that gives me an ability to align with his heart and to receive the grace of empowerment to accomplish his will. So prayer is not optional. On the contrary, it's absolutely necessary for life. If we're going to live life in the kingdom, we better, we better get a clue of how crucial our time alone with the Lord is. Jesus modeled it for us. He always got up a great while before day and he went off to a solitary place and there he prayed. We find him on the mountaintop praying the whole night before he chooses the 12 disciples. We, we find that the Lord was always in prayer. And it's, it's at that point right before he goes to the cross when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane that he goes and he's got his disciples and he's had the three. They've celebrated the, the Lord's Supper, the, the Passover Supper, and now they're in the garden and he goes apart and he prays. He comes back and all the disciples are right there in agreement. Yeah. They fall asleep. And he says, couldn't you watch one hour? Now, so many people have, have taken that expression. Could you not watch one hour? Could you not tarry one hour? Could you not pray one hour? I'm not, try, I'm not going to get legalistic, but that's kind of where the momentum of saying, I would love for all of us to pray every day one hour. And if you do that, we're going to get a special badge that says, I'm a disciple that didn't sleep while Jesus was in the garden. No. No, it, it, it's not for a badge. It's not for achievement. It's for intimacy. It's for knowing him and being known by him. Even though he knows everything about me, he knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows all of that. But as you're, as you're there, you share your heart and you receive his heart. And there's something about being known that's really important to you. Now we can have a theology that says God knows everything about me. And out of that theology, it can keep us silent in sharing our heart before the Lord because we know that he knows everything about us. But there's something about you sharing your heart, sharing your burden, sharing your passion, sharing your desires with the Lord that in that moment, you know that he knows you. I think that's why we love the prophetic. I think one of the reasons why we love when the Lord has a word and someone, someone that's outside of us who doesn't even know us and they're able to look at us and say something that only the Lord knows. And when we receive that, it's like, oh, you do know me. I keep talking about when Rebecca wrote the little note after I had this, this dream where God 
where Jesus actually gave me his heart. And in this dream, I, it was just so amazing. It happened on a Monday night. And then <laughs> Thursday night, Rebecca gives me a little note in our little prophetic exercise, and it says, Rick, you have my heart. Love God. And I, one sentence. And it messed me up royally. The dream I had messed me up wonderfully. And then when I got this, it took it to another level of reality for me. To know that you know that you know that the Lord knows you. <laughs> That's what we all want. We all want to be known. We all want to know him. We want to be known by our creator. All right. mm. So prayer is not optional. <clears throat> I think I'll skip. We've already done the uh, slide six. Let's just keep moving. <clears throat> the simple act of prayer links a sovereign God to a finite man. Is that amazing? Sure. In all our finiteness, in all our limitations, when we pray, we, we touch someone who is absolutely limitless. Mm. E. Stanley Jones explains prayer this way. In prayer, you align yourselves to the purpose and power of God, and he is able to do things through you that he couldn't do otherwise. For this is an open universe where some things are left open, contingent upon our doing them. If we do not do them, they will never be done. For God has left certain things open to prayer, things which will never be done except as we pray. Now, I know some of our strong Calvinists well, might have a little problem with that, but I, I, I think that is so true. I know in our house there are certain things that if, if, if they're not done, they won't get done. And I've, I've learned through the years. Uh, as I grew up as a, as a young child, wherever I took off my clothes, they magically disappeared and got washed and put back in my drawer. It was amazing, just amazing. When I became a husband, the magic stopped. <laughs> I couldn't believe how the magic stopped. They were right there where I left them. Huh. And so if there was going to be something done about it, you had to do it. Now, it's not as though God's up there saying, I'm not going to pick up your dirty laundry. He's done that a zillion times. But he does want to partner with us as he shares with us. And there's certain things that will never be done if you don't do them. Just as a way of a public announcement, we had someone come this week and kind of fill the potholes in our parking lot and... Uh, tampered them, did a little trimming around the bushes and trees and all that kind of stuff. And he thought, well, maybe if people see that a little something was done, they might get the hint and come and do a little more. That is an official request that anytime you have time, there's plenty of things that need to be done around here. You're welcome to come and to participate. If you're going to change anything drastically, you got to see the boss. 
She sits over here. <laughs> She's in charge of the exterior appearance of the church. That's why we got to get this thing painted <laughs> and get our roofs done, all those kind of things. We got to realize that some things we've got to do. We've got, they only get done as we partner with God in prayer and as we cry out to him. The fundamental principle of spiritual power is something that we've got to understand. What we do for the Lord is entirely dependent upon what we are in the Lord. Once again, identity. You've got to know who you are. Further, what we are in the Lord wholly depends on what we receive from the Lord. Our identity is not defined by ourselves. It is defined by what we receive from God. And what we receive from the Lord is directly proportional to the time we spend alone with the Lord in prayer. I think we're trying to make an argument to pray. It's really, really important. Only as we apply our knowledge of prayer to the actual practice of prayer will we discover the power of prayer. We can have our PhD in prayer, theory, theology, our ability to dissect the scriptures and, and get all the explanations about prayer. But if you don't pray, doesn't really profit a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Bishop J.C. Ryle puts prayer this way. Prayer has obtained things that seemed impossible and out of reach. It has won victories over fire, air, earth, and water. Prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. Prayer brought fire from the sky on Elijah's sacrifice. Prayer overthrew the army of Sennacherib. Prayer has healed the sick. Prayer has raised the dead. Prayer has procured, procured the conversion of countless souls. Hmm. I like the bishop. That's pretty good. When we talk about prayer and we try to get models for prayer, we get into so many different things that pretty soon sometimes the form becomes more of the, the reality than the essence of what prayer is. But I'm going to present to you a 12-step prayer model for, that, that I'm going to kind of un, I'm, I'm going to develop over the weeks, but just to show you a way. Don't, get, don't fall into legalism. Don't let this become a controlling influence. Let this become a tool to assist you in prayer and to help you to understand how, how to pray some of these things. So here's the 12-step prayer plan. Step one, praise. Step two, waiting. Uh -huh. Step three, confession. Step four, Scripture, praying, using the word, praying the word. 
going through the word and, and looking at all the prayers that are in the Bible, praying those prayers, especially the apostolic prayers, when you're reading Paul's prayers to the churches that he writes the letters to, you catch his prayer, his heart, the prayer of Jesus in uh, John 17. Great stuff to pray. Five, watching. This isn't television. Watching. There's a, there's a real similarity between waiting and watching, and we'll look at that contrast in weeks to come. Intercession. That's when we're praying specifically for others and we're mediating in their behalf with the Lord. Petition, thanksgiving, singing. Bring, bring song into your prayer life. I find that singing prayers to the Lord is just so incredibly wonderful. And that's why even in our corporate worship times, when there's, a, when there's a song that's a prayer to God, there's real power when we, when we sing that corporately and in unison. And some of the songs that you get to when you're in, in small group worship and there's, there's great liberty and freedom, you know, to just sing in the spirit, to sing the new song of the Lord that he just kind of births in your heart and to sing that out, so amazing. 10, meditation, just meditating. It could be upon a verse of scripture, but it could be meditating on something in creation or some, something that the Lord has just revealed to you. And just take time and allow your heart and your mind and your spirit to be open to the Lord. Mm. Listening, that's the part of prayer that the enemy does not want us to get to. Listening, and then back to praise. Start with praise, end with praise. So today I want to look at praise. Why praise? Don't worry, I'm not going to go much longer. <clears throat> in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. His name is to be hallowed. And when we start with praise, praising his name is a good place to start. Praising his name. Praising him for the essence of who he is. Praising him for his truth. Praising him for his beauty. <laughs> wow. Praising him for who he is. His wonderful heart. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Most of you have that one memorized. Whether it's debt, transgressors, transgressions, trespasses, whatever. We, we have a lot of different words that we put in for that. But we all kind of know that one. So when we get to hallowed be your name, that's the essence of praise. That's where we praise him. I don't know, for years and years, I, I, I used to pray through the Lord's Prayer, and I would use 15 minutes in just hallowing his name. And I would praise him for his names, his, the compound names of, of Jehovah, or the compound names of, of Yahweh in the Old Testament. 
from the God who sanctifies to the God who's righteous, who's my righteousness, to the God who's my peace, to the God who's present, uh, to the God who is my healer, to the God who is my provider, to the God who's my shepherd, (laughs) to the God who's my banner. His banner over me is love. Yeah. And right there's eight compound names in the Old Testament of God. And then when you, when you start going through all that you see with Jesus, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. On and on and on, you can spend time just praising the Lord. And what this does, when, when we start with praise, it gets our focus off of our problems. It gets our, our focus off our circumstances and it puts it right on him. And once again, it's like taking time to look into his beautiful face and just seeing him and verbally articulating, verbally articulating what you see, who he is to you, who is God to you, and just give expression of your heart. And for some, it's good to have your, your, your note-taking tool, whether it's your iPad or whether it's a notebook, and start writing those things. I always love Mike Bickle. He taught me this years and years ago. He says, when I find that there's an anointing on an expression, I write it down so that I can pray it again. There's anointing on it. That's what I tell Rick and the worship team. When there's an anointing on the song, we're going to do it every week. There's an anointing on the song. What? Not every song has the same anointing. When there's an anointing on a song, man, we need to, we need to go in and engage that because it, it does something and bring us into the presence of the Lord. And that's what praise does. It causes us to come into his presence. We get everything else kind of filters down to the bottom and we're able to look into his face and to see him for who he is. This is what 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14 says. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple of God. I just get goosebumps when I read that. When you realize that praise takes us off of us and it focuses on him and, and we, there's a zillion ways to praise. That's a, that's a whole sermon series all of us in of, of itself. You know, here it, it's talking about the time when Solomon was dedicating the temple. He's dedicating the temple of God. And the instruments and the singers, the musicians, they're all there. They're worshiping. They're united as one voice. They're praising the Lord. They're acknowledging who he is. They're declaring the wonder of the God that they know as Yahweh. And his presence fills the temple. Glory to God. They can't even do it. They say that Smith Wigglesworth, a, a plumber in century, last century, Smith Wigglesworth would pray 
and the presence of God would fill the room and people had to leave. He would start in a room and there would be all sorts of people and as he started to pray, the presence and the the incredible glory of God would show up. And they didn't know how to give expression to it, but it was... Some have written and said it was like the oxygen was sucked out of the room. And people couldn't stay in the presence of the glory. And it was almost like oxygen was being taken out of the room. And they got on their knees and they had to crawl out of the room. But Smith Wigglesworth would stand in the room for hours. Praying in the presence of the glory of God. Now that's my hidden agenda. I want you all to just start praying for one hour, but you might as well know my hidden agenda is that we become a people that are so, so in tune with the presence and so in love with the presence that we spend before in praise. And as the praise of the Lord comes, as, as, as it ascends to heaven, he fills the place where we're, we're meeting to the place where we have to get our spiritual gills kind of opened up so that we can stay in the glory of the Most High. So Father, I thank you for my, my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, all the love that they have for you and for your kingdom. Lord, I ask that today you would release a grace straight from your heart to our hearts. Lord, we want to be with you. We want to know you. We want to engage with you. We want to participate with you in the releasing of your kingdom on the earth. And so we ask, Holy One, would you, would you impart to us a grace to pray? A grace to pray. Father, we want to see your glory. We want to see the tangible reality of your hand stretched out on the earth. We want to see and behold the beauty of your face. Take just a minute right now while we're praying and look and see if the Lord would reveal his face to you this morning. When you go to prayer, don't be afraid to use your imagination or what feels like to us our imagination. Oftentimes it's not imagination, but it feels like it's our imagination. One of the exercises you can do when you pray this week is picture yourself going into the throne room of God. And what does that look like for you? when you go into the throne room of his presence. Hmm. So Lord, we say thank you. 
I thank you for those times in my life where you gave me seasons of grace to pray. And now I ask, Lord, that you would give us grace to pray as a church. Not just for the sake of Decision 2016, but for the sake of the world. For the sake of our own lives and the lives that we have the honor and privilege of touching. Give us grace to pray. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Have mercy. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.